Hello and welcome to the Digital Forensics Files podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Hatch from DFI Forensics. Today, we're gonna to talk about something interesting that I've been meaning to talk about for quite some time now and haven't had a chance. We're gonna be talking about text messages. Specifically, I wanna to talk to you about if you're a lawyer and you're entering text message evidence into the record in court, things that you're gonna to want to look for uh, and know about in order to have that client's evidence uh, admissible, properly and verifiable. On the other hand, you're gonna to wanna to have some tips to be aware of what happens when an unscrupulous litigant may look for resources to produce fake text messages. We're gonna talk about how they're going to do that in this episode. Hello everyone and welcome back. I can tell you with terms of um, text message evidence going into court, I've been very vocal for some time now about the um, discouraging the practice of lawyers and litigants using screenshots of text messages. I think it's a bad idea and I think if the evidence is important enough to be admitted in trial that it ought to be done so properly, uh, verifiably and through an independent third party like a digital forensics examiner. And one of the reasons why we want to do that is because we want to get the evidence from the source, which is the cell phone. And again, it's important to have it uh, independently verified through an expert witness um, so that it's not ultimately challenged at trial. And these issues can certainly come up um, even with um, true screenshot messages. I've had that uh, come up in the last uh, few months and in, in the last year, certainly. Uh, but what I was really wanting to talk about uh, today was really the, the situation where, um, you know, lawyers may have a situation where both litigants have evidence of purportedly the same text message, but they don't show the same thing. So you wonder why that would happen. Well, um, first of all, when, when one litigant may delete selective text messages, but not the entire conversation, um, and the other litigant has um, not disturbed the record whatsoever, and the entire conversation is there, they're not going to look the same. And, and that's something that generally you can you can assess and, and determine if that's uh, an issue you want to raise at trial. Um, but I really wanted to discuss the the use of fraudulent text messages and how a litigant who um, is motivated to do such a thing might go about doing so. So for several years, I've actually observed um, cases where there's been this kind of dispute and this kind of allegation made. And... Uh, I always advise clients and, and lawyers that ultimately the best course of action, the, the best thing that we can do is to um, pull the transaction, pull the, um, the data from both parties' cell phones and verify independently what is there and what isn't. It's really the only true way that you can compare two things um, is if they're both uh, a verified sample of the same thing. Um, so often, well, never really. You're never going to get that opportunity because in a civil litigation matter, you're you're going to be acting for one party's um, lawyer. You're going to be retained by one party, not the other. Um, and they're very rarely going to cooperate if they have produced fake text messages. So they're not going to cooperate in the verification process. So you're never really going to be able to get to the bottom of it other than to verify um, the, the party's evidence who has retained your services. So um, nevertheless... I always wondered for several years how actually somebody would go about uh, producing these these text messages because they um, appear at first glance to be incredibly convincing 
And I always assumed that it was some sort of uh, Adobe PDF uh, editing or perhaps some Photoshop uh, use. Um, but, you know, it, it appeared that people had to, go, had to go to great lengths and put in uh, incredible effort to produce these, these incredibly convincing, um, albeit fake, text message conversations. So um, some time ago, I decided to put myself in the place of a person who might be motivated to do something like this. And I started researching uh, on the internet how people would go about doing this. And to my great surprise, with very little effort, I found some websites that um, somebody can go to and very easily customize their phone settings and the look of a text message conversation and basically um, uh, fraudulently produce something that looks very convincing. So I wanted to go through one of those websites uh, right now, and I was hoping uh, to do a bit of a video demonstration. So one of the websites that I quite quickly came upon was um, a website called ifaketextmessage.com. And uh, for those of you who are watching in video formats uh, as opposed to audio, um, you can see what I'm seeing because I'm sharing my screen here. Uh, for those of you in audio, I'll describe what we're what we're seeing. So, on the left-hand side of this web page, you can uh, you, the user has a lot of um, options about uh, how they want to customize the text message conversation to appear as authentic as possible. Obviously, uh, starting at the top, you can put in the name of the contact that uh, you're allegedly having a conversation with. So, let me, for the sake of argument, just put in Bob. And you can see you can select the color of your text message bubbles. If you're an Android user, you might want to use the green that is typically associated with the default Android settings. If you're an iPhone user, you've got your default blue text message bubble conversations. Of course, you can add in uh, the text message content um, as you see fit. Uh, but, but what makes these things so deeply troubling and difficult to detect is the level of cop, uh, uh, sorry, what makes these things so troubling and difficult to detect is the level of customization that is available uh, to a user on this website. Um, starting at the top, you can select your battery level. Um, so if you've, if you've got some text messages that you want to sort of add in a message or two at a relevant time, you're going to have to make it look convincingly similar to uh, how your uh, screen uh, appeared at the time. So you might want to adjust your battery level uh, to a certain percentage. You can see uh, I'm toggling back and forth um, as as typical cell phones do, down below 20%. Uh, the battery starts to display red. Um, you can even customize your signal strength. Uh, you, can, you can say what network you're on, uh, LTE, 4G, 5G. Uh, it's incredibly customizable. What I found interesting in, in looking at a couple of these, they don't they don't always have your network carrier um, able to be as customized as, as some people might need. Uh, and what I mean by that is that um, one of the websites produces a drop down menu with only their options available. And on my observation of of what I saw on that website, they appeared to be uh, American U.S. carriers. So if I wanted to fake text messages in Canada. I would need some additional customization. Um, ifaketextmessage.com is not like that. You can simply put in whatever carrier you want. So if I want to call my um, carrier uh, Bubblegum, assuming that's a real 
carrier, that's fine. All of a sudden now I can display that as being that carrier and um, can you know customize everything I want. Uh, settings, of course, you can adjust the time. That's really important. You want to have accurate timestamps to show, um, again, the consistency with, with how your conversation may have appeared uh, at the time. Um, and, and you're now trying to add in some additional messages or fake conversations um, to go along with that. So again, now uh, once you've uh, customized all of your little settings there and you're happy with the way it looks, now you can start adding messages. So my message to Bob might appear to be, hey Bob, how are you? Boom, enter, there it is. Um, I then will, it, it automatically selects the default colors for a response from Bob and Bob will say fine. And uh, eventually you type in all of your conversation with these details and uh, you click at the bottom, there's a simple button, it says create image. You download uh, the image format that it produces and all of a sudden you've got some very convincing looking evidence, albeit it's terribly fake. So this is something that uh, in my conversations with a lot of litigation lawyers, they're simply unaware of, they're quite shocked by, and um, it's something that everyone should be very, very mindful of. So th certainly the takeaway for this episode is simply to get some information about there and, and share some stories and experience uh, for the things that I've observed in dealing with um, text message conversations uh, that are uh, admitted into court and trials as, as screenshots. They're typically produced in a PDF document and submitted, maybe they're printed off or submitted electronically, but um, you know what we would always like to see is an actual image created of the user's cell phone, uh, of the litigant's cell phone. The text message conversation should be filtered uh, and exported uh, in whatever format the lawyers or litigants request. And uh, a report from, a, from an independent third-party expert should be produced uh, setting out the, um, the, the method of imaging the phone, the methodology used, the steps taken, and recording the make model serial number and pictures of the cell phone and um, simply reporting uh, as we do so that um, the courts and the litigants can rest assured that the evidence before the court is authentic and verifiable. That's what we do. That's the whole point of digital forensics. I thank everyone for listening to another episode and have a great day.